Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Scott Wapner with Jim Cramer. We are live from the New York Stock Exchange this morning. Carl and David have the morning off. We're watching U.S. futures closely because they are tumbling after Iran's top military commander, General Qasem Soleimani, was killed at Baghdad Airport by a U.S. airstrike ordered by President Trump. The Pentagon says Soleimani was actively planning attacks on American diplomats and service members in Iraq and throughout the region. Iranian Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khamenei promising, quote, severe revenge. But the president responding with a tweet of his own. Iran never won a war, but never lost a negotiation, said the president. Tensions between the U.S. and Iran sending crude oil prices higher for our purposes, Jim. Look, futures are off their worst levels. We're still expected to open sharply lower. But the story really focuses on oil and the region of the Middle East and what all of that means for the price of crude. Right. One of the things I think people have to recognize is there's too much crude. I mean, it's just... Wouldn't this move the needle out 20 to 2023? But here's U.S. producers just slamming the futures already. I'm looking at the futures from 6.40 a.m. Thank you, Rusty Brazil from uh, RBN.com. At 43 cents, 43 cents impact on 2023. Now, why is that? Because you have major producers who are saying, hallelujah, I am getting an opportunity to be able to sell, sell, sell. And on Wall Street, we're buy, buy, buying. I'd be very careful about that. I think that the futures go down in part because, oh, geez, what a great excuse to sell. I mean, Scott, I go away, but I check the market. I say, are you kidding me? Like, nothing's happened. And the market keeps going up. These so the, we're going to lose some froth. These are the kind of mornings, I, I suspect, Jim, you're scanning the market looking for things that are down that shouldn't be. Oh, I sure am. I mean, I, you have to look. Let's say that the op- operative thesis is going to be we're going into a recession. Uh, so, therefore, you've got to sell things other than defense because you'll always see Northrop Grumman. and Lock- usual sub- This is like, wine, you know, round up the usual suspects. It's like Casablanca. So we buy Lockheed Martin. We buy uh, Northrop Grumman. And we sell, uh, I don't know, uh, Ingersoll Rand. I mean, you can make it up. Yeah, the airlines. I mean, the airline, oh, the airlines. airline complex oh, the airlines. is, is down. Yeah, well, the, airli- the airlines are airlines trouble because... We have to figure out what to do with Boeing. This could be the year of Boeing, by the way. I mean, try to figure out what the year of. I mean, we have two guys who uh, push price targets up for Apple. Apple's down. I mean, that's probably what people should be looking at. Now, well, the one thing I, w- I worry about is you, everyone's bumping their Apple price targets. That's historically been a wrong time to buy. Last year today, they slashed their price targets. But I am saying that if you want to scalp um, Advanced Micro, Apple, you know, the winners. You got a couple of price targets, to your point, bumps on Apple this morning to 3.30. The stock goes above 300 for the first time Yeah, so they're yesterday. chasing. They're chasing. But I think that people are beginning to realize that the iPhone 11 is not what people thought it was. It is a miracle. And it's just a step function higher. I, by the way, Tim Cook periodically invents new. I use the noise-canceling headphone, crying baby. I love crying babies. 
I love them. I mean, they're always my favorite when, I, when I'm in the plane because I love babies. But it was nice not to hear them. So all that said, if there is a, let's say, prolonged escalation of, of tension, if not more severe circumstances in the Middle East, and crude does continue its rise, it pushes past 70 and maybe even goes towards 80, as some are suggesting this morning, that's not necessarily a good scenario for the, not only the global economy, but no, the but market it, at large, is it? No, but the Saudi capacity, remember how much was taken out? And, and it didn't move things up. You do need a prolonged uh, experience to be able to get oil to move. But there are, we have oil companies that have been waiting for this forever. You'll notice Oxy's up this morning. I mean, Oxy's breathing a sigh of relief. Maybe they won't be, have covenant issues. I mean, a lot of our oil companies, you see the prices? So they have a good opportunity and watch Core Labs. Is Core Labs right? Perhaps. But I, I just think that there's no reason to be excited other than gold, which I think continues its trajectory upward. And the dollar. Jeez, the dollar goes down so often. The dollar's it, at a nine-week low. Well, and gold is at a four-month high. Well, okay, you're, you're Coca-Cola. You're James Quincy. All right? You've been waiting for this forever. Now, he's not waiting for what had an assassination. Hey, let me, let's say President Trump was right, and this guy was planning multiple things against the U.S., and he's been taken out. If he, if he had been able to do what he wanted, wouldn't that be a huge escalation? And now I, I hear from people, oh, well, there's five more guys like that. We've seen over and over when it comes to, the, say, the state of Israel that there aren't five more guys. There's like a lull. But I just wonder, if he hadn't been killed, what was going to happen? Were they going to take out the U.S. Embassy? Were they going to destroy it? That, that's the war. The war is to destroy the U.S. Embassy. I think a lot of people were betting that there would be that kind of activity. I mean, you know, or that you were going to have another one of these sieges, you know, a 440-day siege. Well, maybe this was the guy who was planning the siege. So, I don't know. I'm not, you know, when you assassinate someone, it's always cause for thinking about it. But if he was a bad guy who was going to kill our service people, isn't it better to prevent that? I'm not being facetious. Understand, un- I certainly understand where you're going on that. And you, you've talked about oil and, you know, supply demand. Oh, my, you know. And a different point in time. Look at the curve. Oil yeah. would be up on an event like this. Get the curve. With, That's a tough thing to get, I, I mean, know. You can make the argument this is, is you know, the, the most severe uh, escalation of tensions between the United States and Iran in, in some time. At yeah. another point in time, if the oil supply and dynamic was in a different place, Oil would be up by more than three or four percent, don't you think? It's a statement in and of itself about where we are in the complex that oil is only okay. up by this amount. All right, so Iraq invades Kuwait. August, let's go back to August 1 of 1990. I mean, Schlumberger was up about 15 percent before the market opened. I mean, Schlumberger, my charitable trust owns Schlumberger, what is it up, like 80 cents? 80 cents. I mean, think about it. The number one oil service company in the world, BP. It, it, BP is arguably one, it yields six percent safe yield. I mean, that thing can't get to thirty-nine. I mean, I, I, these stocks are unbelievably bad, and a lot of it is because they're viewed as being wasting assets by millennial money managers who are trying been, to unload. Oil's been unbelievably good, and these stocks have been unbelievably bad. Well, you can't. There's so much oil coming. You, they, they, the pipes can't handle all the oil. Our shipping can't handle all the oil. Plus, we block Costco. It's not the Costco. It's COSCO. Uh, and, and what do you have? You have uh, the Chinese tankers not being in operation. You have U.S. tankers. costs a lot of money to ship. I mean, all of this is making a very convoluted situation with oil. And uh, I know some people are saying that 
uh, a lot of people are saying bad things about about Soleimani. Uh, all I'm saying is is that uh, they're not saying that this is strategic. It, 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 they're saying it's just tactical. But it might be strategic by the president to head off something that could really drive the market down. You know, before this event took place last night, where we think around 8 o'clock, uh, we would have come in today and it would be your first day back after the holiday, which we're, we're thankful and, and happy to have you oh, back. Sure, thank you. Uh, and we back. would be talking about a market that looks ready to continue well, to go higher. Apple will be up 10 points. I mean, I start the day up three. And then when these price target bumps, I mean, they're about the 11. They're about the uh, air, you know, about their pr- professional. They're about the, the, fa- the shortages, I mean, which is just store by store, by the way. Uh, and instead, what we're talking about is something that knocks Apple down. But how's Apple affected? How's Micron affected? How's Advanced Micron? Well, the only thing that's affected is that people are up so much. Taking up. You think Lisa Sue's sitting there right now and saying, this is going to hurt our Italian, all the ones are named after Italian, you know. Just like a travelogue thing going, like a triptych. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but they're all called like Rome. I'm waiting here for Florence because I like Florence. Boa. This could still take maybe, maybe you know, it's, this, this happens on a Friday. Uh, market's going to digest it for the balance of the day. Good reason to sell. Monday, something happens this weekend. Uh, talk shows, the president escalates. Uh, market comes down more Monday. So I would not be excited about jumping in here because, geez, we're not giving up enough. When I got up, futures were down 47. I don't know, it was up, I don't know, quarter three. Bummer. Hey, I'm back, though. Quarter three is a good time to get up. I danced till quarter three when I was on vacation. But I, I, I looked at things. I said, OK, maybe there's a chance. Maybe you get a chance to buy uh, PepsiCo. Because they're doing well with the dollar down, but no. So let's wait. You know what? We should speak to Richard Engel. He's on the phone. We should. Uh, in fact, uh, joining us now on the phone is NBC News chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel. He is making his way uh, to a region he knows better than anybody else. Richard, it's good to have you on the phone this morning. Can you uh, help our viewers understand, first and foremost, why this target is so important? Yeah, so once again, I'm heading to the Middle East because, once again, it looks like we are going to uh, have a conflict, an armed conflict of some shape uh, between the United States and Iran. And the reason is because of the unique importance of General Qasem Soleimani. General Qasem Soleimani who was killed by a U.S. drone strike at Baghdad International Airport, which itself shows the importance. The United States decided they were going to target Qasem Soleimani when he was in a car with a Shia militia leader at the airport without telling Iraq this was happening, according to Iraqi government officials, and killing him, the Shiite uh, militia leader, and several other people who were in that convoy. So a very dramatic escalation. And the reason it's so important and the reason there's such a concern for a reprisal from Iran, which could lead to a cycle of violence, is that Qasem Soleimani wasn't just a normal general. He was the one who effectively set the military foreign policy for Iran. He was the one who was in charge of all the relationships with the militia groups, very powerful militia groups, in Yemen, in Lebanon, in Syria, and critically in Iraq. Uh, He had this network. He supported this network. He maintained this network. So every time there was an attack carried out in shadowy circumstances by Iran, whether it was one of those tankers that was seized in the Gulf, that we saw Qasem Soleimani's fingerprints on that attack, and it was usually carried out by one of his proxies. 
Now he's been killed. Iran is vowing revenge, and those proxies are on alert, uh, trying to figure out how they are going to respond. So if there's going to be a military conflict, it doesn't. It, it's not going to be a tank against tank confrontation. Uh, at least that's not the kind of war Iran likes to fight. Uh, it's more likely going to be something that's deniable, lots of small groups carrying out uh, attacks, potentially deniable attacks against U.S. interests uh, in, in most likely in, in the region. And, and I think that could have, a, 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 as, as the markets have been, seems to be showing, uh, a, a very unnerving and unsettling effect on, on the markets, particularly on, on oil, because watch the straight of home news. No, Richard, Jim Cramer, you are a brave man, and it is really greatly appreciated. We just don't have enough people like you. Uh, Who's running Iraq? Who's running Iraq? Iran or Iraq? So so this is, and going back to Qasem Soleimani, he was the guy who managed to recognize an opportunity for Iran with the 2003 U.S. invasion. So let's go back a little bit, because that's what we're talking about here. This is an inflection moment. 2003, Saddam Hussein ran Iraq hands down. It was a one-man state run by him, run by a Sunni military, basically secular, at times even pro-American dictator. The United States overthrew him. The Shia majority took over through, through democracy. That's what happens when you say the majority gets a vote. The majority, which was united by the, the Shia faith and united behind Shia uh, religious leadership, voted, and they brought themselves into power. Iran, of course, Shia faith, the most powerful Shia state, well, uh, they decided to form this, uh, this alliance, overt and covert, with Iran. And that relationship with Iranian militia groups and Shia militia groups was directed by Qasem Soleimani. He was the guy who basically allowed Iran to carve off large portions of Iraq and assume so much influence in Iraq. But in recent, recent weeks, I don't know, it hasn't gotten as much attention as it has in the United States, as it has in other parts of the world. There have been huge protests on the streets of Baghdad. There have been hundreds, literally hundreds of people shot by Iraqi security forces. And they, those protesters, were arguing against Iranian influence. They say it went too far, that Iran took too much advantage of the, 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 the disorder that followed the U.S. invasion, and that Iraq, that Iraq had become effectively an Iranian vassal state. Now... With this attack, it gives an opportunity for Iran to change the narrative, to say, we're not the bad guys, we are uh, the victims here. The United States, they're, they're the aggressors, they're the state sponsors of terrorists. So it, it, is, it, it is an inflection point, because there has been, since 2003, this tug of war, for 1,400 years, really, but specifically since 2003, this tug of war uh, over how much influence the Shias have in, in Iran, and Qasem Soleimani knew how to play that and played it exceptionally well for the last 17 years. Richard, you had the opportunity this morning to speak with the Iraqi president. I'm wondering what you can tell us about your conversation, what he's thinking about what may be happening in the region. Well, he's thinking about the, the future of his country, and he's very worried about it. Uh, Bob Saleh is somebody I've known uh, for quite some time. I know him personally. Uh, he's very worried. He was said that, that, uh, that the country is precarious, that it's fragile, that it doesn't need another cycle of violence. Uh, Iraq, uh, Iraq pulled itself out of the civil war that followed the U.S. invasion. Then 
it managed to sidestep the Arab Spring, and then recently it's had these very violent protests over the nature of Iranian influence in the country. He says it wouldn't take much to send the country down into a new spiral of violence. And he was urging restraint on all sides. He's reaching out to the Shia religious leadership in, in the country. He's trying to prevent this from escalating quickly and badly. Because if Iran takes an action, it, if it sends uh, its militias back to uh, the U.S. Embassy, and those were Iranian-backed militias that were there smashing the security cameras at the U.S. Embassy, if it sends them back there, if it carries out an attack uh, on U.S. interests uh, in, in, in Iraq specifically, then the U.S. could respond, could respond very quickly, and then we're off to the races. Because while Iran likes to fight uh, a proxy war, the United States doesn't really know how to fight that kind of war. That's not the, that's not the style of, of the United States military. The U.S. military picks targets and, 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 and attacks them. Uh, Iran's a much more subtle, uh, deniable way of waging warfare. So he, he's concerned that this now, uh, I don't think it's escalating tension anymore. I think it's some sort of armed conflict ha has begun. We'll see if it's uh, if it stays low level or stays uh, acceptable without acceptable to both sides without escalating to a, a full on uh, full on war. Uh, he, he's worried that uh, this is going to happen in his own country, and he says that Iraq has had too many wars over the last forty years. It doesn't need another one. Before I let you run, uh, Richard, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo this morning saying the strike was in response to a, quote, imminent threat mm -hmm. to American lives. Do we have any idea what kind of threat and where the Secretary of State might be referring to? Uh, not really. Uh, he, and if you, if you watch specifically what he said, it was that they were in the planning stages of a another attack on U.S. interests. So uh, it's not clear if they believe that the U.S. was, uh, that Qasem Soleimani was in Iraq in order to plot and plan and meet, or that he was in Iraq to talk about plotting and planning and carrying out some sort of future attack. Uh, there may be some legal ease in here that uh, I think the U.S., according to, to its own uh, international laws that it has signed up to, would need to say that there was an imminent threat in order to carry out a, a targeted assassination like that. It couldn't just do it uh, without giving the, the smoking gun uh, uh, analogy. We had to do this because there was an a imminent threat. There was a, 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 a loaded weapon pointed at us, therefore we had to, had to take this sort of action. So the, there may be very, very specific intelligence, or frankly that could be just the, uh, the rationale that was given. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not in a position to know. Um, maybe, sure. maybe, maybe the U.S. officials, Pompeo and others, will give more detail. Richard, we appreciate your time. We wish you well as you head to that region. That's Richard Engel, NBC News chief foreign correspondent, joining us there by the phone. Well, he's good. I mean, it, it, it's, to me, somewhat um, reassuring what he said. If there, if there really is an Iraqi government and there really are people who don't uh, want to destroy our embassy uh, and there's someone who was there who wanted to, then the notion of it being targeted uh, rather than it be, um, again, remember, if it's precise and surgical, uh, that certainly is better than shock and awe.
Is there we, a, we'd, be, we'd be down big. We're going sure. to open in 10 minutes. Um, is there a point today where people you know, are able to have the ability to step back, like no. you suggest, and, and no, look not, at what shouldn't be down? Not today. This is day one. I mean, I, look, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I'm saying day one is, is rarely the best day. Uh, day two, you start seeing the opportunity to buy a Pfizer or Lilly, unaffected. That typically is, and that happens between two and three. Right. Not to be as precise as I am, but that's tactical. All right, we will take a quick break. Up next is Kramer's first mad dash of the new year. We count down to the opening bell. Let's take a look at futures once more as well. Stocks are going to open lower this morning. The Dow would be down by about 270. NASDAQ by more than 100, and the S&P down about 33 and a half. More squawk on the street for the New York Stock Exchange is straight ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Bell's going to ring in about seven minutes. Time now for the first mad dash of the new year with Jim Cramer. It's good to be back. It's great to have you back. Yeah, it's just funny. You you come back and you realize what a great market uh, last year was. And I think that barring uh, something like this going on for days on end, we're hearing from Richard Engel, you're going to get a chance to buy. So let me give you one. Okay. If someone is really itching to buy today, you buy Humana. Why? Because Goldman Sachs added to conviction list. It has nothing to do with the wreck. Now, are they early? Well, they have liked it. But this is the kind of thing that you buy because it won't be down by the end of the day. So scalper alert. Who do you have on at at 12? You think the trend is is up? Oh, yeah. And look, this group, you know, 2021, somehow they some of us who love this group have been still trying to figure out why the health insurer industry fee went away. I mean, how did this group get to be the most favored group? This was the group that everybody hated going into, the, uh, into Trump's um, election, and now it's loved. And so if you feel so inclined and you want to buy something at the opening, it's down, that could finish up at the end of the day. It is Humana. I am very conscious that I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, my 45th reunion, I said, you guys all talk really strange. So did I. So, however, H-U-M-A-N-A, how do you spell Humana? Does that say you pronounce it right? Yeah. Oh, good. All right, well, that would be the one that you would buy. Wait till it's down. instead of Humana? Yes, exactly. Wait till it's down. Don't buy it up 0.87. That's fool's gold. And then you get a chance. All right, you're going to have your uh, pick of a lot of stocks that are going to be down off the open today. Right. So. I do like the beverages and the drugs. But again, too early. Come on, you got the whole weekend. You got to do some fretting and worry. Well, Say not it. you, because your team got out. Like, I think you guys... Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Don't even, don't even start. Congratulations All right. on something. I don't know what it is. Still to come, how might geopolitical tensions impact the Fed? Stick around for an interview with the Chicago Fed president, Charles Evans. Take another look at futures as well. We've told you already it's going to be a down open. After that big gain yesterday, Dow's going to give a lot of it back, down 270 off the open. S&P down 33.5. NASDAQ down almost 112. More squawk on the street in a moment. We count down to the opening bell. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell set to ring in just about two minutes time. We're going to have our eye obviously on the major averages, but we should yes. definitely keep an eye throughout the day on crude oil. WTI right now is up about three and a half percent, pretty much where Brent is as well. Yeah. And then the fallout from the stocks that uh, would be most hit by a, a spike in crude. What's interesting is, is that the times we've had something really big in the, in the Mideast, the stocks use the telegraph it. They've been up for days. This is what I'm saying typically happens. And the smart people sell. Now, this is a time when that hasn't occurred. And it hasn't occurred because what people are looking at is the balance sheets of so many of these that are stretched. Uh, People are looking at the fact that no matter what seems to happen, oil doesn't go up. Again, I focus on that Saudi uh, attack, the drone attack. So I'd be very careful about the group. The one that my travel trust owns and bought lower is Schlumberger. And there's a difficult one. I mean, Schlumberger is fantastic. Balance sheet good. The CEO is committed to the dividend. Maybe sell. Maybe sell. SLB is going to be up uh, a little less than a buck. Oh, my God. uh, This morning. That's all? Yeah, there it is. is A little less than a buck to about two and a third percent. I mean, honestly, in the last last quarter, saw some green shoots. Uh, A lot of the internationals, uh, not the... uh, the nation states have been uh, uh, been having to replenish, so they've gotten a lot of orders. Uh, I look at these high-quality stocks. Uh, by the way, Halliburton is a high-quality stock. Uh, look at there's one if you want to buy it. I like the service stocks more than I like the oils themselves. You're barely going to get speaking, to, you know, about the oils themselves. Uh, Exxon, Chevron barely getting a bump. I mean, they'll they'll open in the green, but the defense stocks barely. are getting more of a bump. But this is the reality of the new money managers. You got to put your head in the millennium. When in 19, I know this is going back, but in 1983-84, I went to the guy who was running Harvard at the time, and I said, "You, you got to divest uh, coal wherever it is. You just got to divest it." And energy stock, uh, the ones that connect with coal, divest. It was one of the great trades ever. Not, I was a millennial. Well, I guess they didn't call us. What did they call us then? If you were 26. In, in 1983, uh, what were you? Generation well, what? Wet behind the ears? I hadn't thought about that. But anyway, I'm just saying that there's just a group of people who have been anxious to get rid of these stocks. I like gold. I continue to like gold. Yeah, gold's having to move. Gold is real. Gold is Agnico. Okay, you buy Agnico, they are growing. I mean, they have good growth, good balance sheet, dividend policy. That's what you buy. Let me you want to know what uh, you buy? You buy Agnico. Let me mention the bell ringers here at the big board. Contour Brands, the professional bull riders are also here celebrating Unleash the Beast Unleash at the Beast. Madison Square Garden really? this weekend. Go uh, buy Boot Barn, will you? There's some going to try and stay on the bull today, hey, Jim. Go buy Boot Barn. It's a good opportunity. I know that's not what they're here for, but Boot Barn's really great. Matthew Boss identified a Boot Barn literally literally half of where it is, and he still loves it. So isn't that an example? I bet you they bought their, their hats at Boot Barn. It's the only place to get the stuff. I have a Boot Barn hat. I use it to, to garden with. I look like an idiot. The, uh, the Dow's opened down 1%, about 300 at the NASDAQ. New York Cares, a volunteer network in New York City in honor of its annual coat drive, ringing the bell uh, in Midtown. You know what we haven't talked about yet, and we're really, really lax at doing so? Tesla! 
Why haven't we mentioned Tesla? Well, I mean, here it is again. Just hadn't gotten to it yet. 367,000 cars. I was looking for 360,000. What a made-up number. I was looking for 360,000. I was looking for 359,000. I mean, what a joke. I mean, sorry. I, what a, um, an ill-advised way to look at a stock. But the fact is, is that Tesla has defeated the shorts. Whether you like it or hate it, it defeated the shorts. What do you think? So Tesla yesterday got a price target bump, I think, to 515. So I'll see you at 515 and raise you to 575. You're getting a ratcheting up of expectations about the best case scenario well, for I mean, where look, the stock is. They're making is a lot of cars. They're sell- look, it's, I, there have been so many downgrades of Ford and, and so many price target bumps of Tesla that you should be tempted to buy Ford, but I'm not. Because Tesla's the car of the future, and they, if they do sell a lot, the car of the future. What is it, like back to the future? But if they sell a lot in China, I know they cut the price, so the bears are telling me, Jim, don't you dare say anything good about Tesla. Thank you, bears, for – you guys should go back to Jellystone National Park. Hey, boo-boo, I think you should short Tesla all the way to 200. I think this thing does not stop. It does not – I mean, they make a lot of cars, and they sell a lot of cars. That's novel. What does GM do? By the way, Ford yesterday got a downgrade to sell. Sell. Partly your point. I mean, that's where the the, the action is, right? It's on the on Tesla, buy it. It's on Ford, sell it. Well, that's I mean, where sentiment is right now on know, the street. Tesla makes a lot of cars, and they're going to make, you know, people are talking about $5 earnings power next year. Now, obviously, look, Elon Musk changed. Elon Musk is now the most serious executive in autos. He doesn't tweet silly things. You've got to respect the man. A lot of people feel that I, that I have like decided that I can deal with the fact that he called me a hologram. I don't care. I'm not sensitive. <laughs> you know, the other story we haven't been able to hear from you What's on that? is the remarkable tale of Carlos Ghosn and his escape from That's Japan. Argo. That's so Argo. Lebanon. Yeah. Well, I mean... What do you make of that whole thing? Drama. Incredible drama. I don't know. I mean, wow. Was that, was that a Trump? Was that a... Was no, does he say it like that? Uh, look, what I am I... that's what you were trying to do. No, no. Jesus. Oh, my. Oh, my wife's going to kill me. I'm not sounding like him without any... Well, you mean you had the cadence. It sounded like it. She doesn't watch the darn show, thank heavens. Nor does anybody else that she's associated with, unless I have dog pictures. Doesn't mean anything to her. Um, Look, I just think it's an amazing story. I mean, uh, the the house arrest was not as rigorous. Uh, I guess he didn't have the ankle bracelet. Think. think. Look, he he is. I mean, uh, that makes him a little more guilty in my eyes, but he's going to tell his story in Lebanon. We have uh, more details. He was, a, he was a serious executive at one point. Yeah, he, yes, I he mean, was. like a guy who ran a major company. Isn't that incredible? We do have more details this morning regarding that story from our Phil LeBeau. Oh, he's hey, real. Phil. Scott, a couple of things going on with Carlos Ghosn, and they revolve around whether or not we're learning more details. And we do have a few more regarding how he was able to get out of Japan. Among those details is the fact that the country of Japan, the investigators there, are looking into how Carlos Ghosn went from the house where he was living in Tokyo, where he was under house arrest. He went from there 300 miles away to Osaka because that's where he got on a business jet. The business jet then took him from Osaka 
to Turkey, then from Turkey on to Lebanon. And speaking of that business jet, the private jet company, MNG Jet, which operates the two jets there, they have filed a criminal complaint against one of their employees. Now, they're not naming who the employee is, but they make it very clear in the criminal complaint. They had no idea that Carlos Ghosn was going to be shuttled from Japan to Turkey and then Turkey on to Lebanon. So as you take a look at the journey that Carlos Ghosn was engaged in, Sunday into Monday morning, and we don't know all the exact times, but that's the general time frame. Sunday into Monday. Remember, he went not from Tokyo, but from Osaka, then to uh, Turkey, then from Turkey on to Beirut. And the MNG, MNG jet says that an employee of theirs helped Carlos Ghosn on that flight. By the way, Carlos Ghosn says he plans to talk to the media sometime in the next week so he can start to tell his side of the story. This is a little taste of what it's like outside of his house in Beirut. Reporters trying to get any kind of a glimpse that they can, either through the windows or of the few cars that have come and gone. We will hear from from, from Carlos Ghosn next week, guys. I know he wants to tell his side of the story in terms of being accused of crimes he says he didn't commit. But the main question that he's going to get over and over, and I'm sure he will say, I'm not talking about it, is how exactly did he arrange to leave Japan? Because he says he got no help from his family, that he arranged this 100% on his own. Apparently there was a report I saw this morning of some video that's emerged or some sort of reporting uh, that he was seen leaving his house by himself to, to sort right. of back up I, I've, what, I've what seen he's been thing. saying. I've seen that. And he was allowed to leave his house for short walks in the area or to go to the market, etc. So when we say he was under house arrest, this was not like true, like 100% ankle bracelet. You're not leaving the premises arrest. It was house arrest in the sense of he was seen walking around uh, areas near his home in Tokyo. All right, Phil, we'll uh, we'll come back to you, certainly. As, uh, as, oh, you know what? Let me hit with you while I, while I have you, if, if you don't mind, yeah, the Tesla going. news. Oh, let's okay. do Tesla. We were just talking about Tesla, these <laughs> deliveries, and the numbers yeah. we just got. Look, it, they, they beat the minimum expectation. The right. minimum guidance from Tesla was three sixty to 400000 They come in at 367000 a little bit better. There were some people who were expecting it to be like three fifty five, three fifty six. And I said this yesterday, Scott, and I stick by it today. That is not what is driving this stock higher. What's driving this stock higher is the beginning of production and sales in China, the world's largest electric vehicle market, and also the expectation that the Model Y, when they start to roll that out, the margins on the Model Y, because it shares so many components along with the Model 3, you add that into the mix with China, the potential here for them to boost margins is the reason that this stock is moving higher and why you're getting these higher price targets. Yeah, Phil, could you please explain to people how amazing it is that they build a factory in 10 months? I mean, and oh, whether it doesn't any happen, other Jim. air. No, wasn't that incredible? No. No. And I think that's part of the psychological change that we've seen with some people when it comes to shares of Tesla and how they view Tesla. They set that target and they hit that target. In fact, they were a couple of months ahead of schedule in terms of the China plant and China production. And you see a company that is much more disciplined than it was just a few years ago. Doesn't mean that there won't be delays along the way. And it doesn't mean that uh, Elon, he doesn't, will will stop making pronouncements that perhaps are a little bit too aggressive, to say it mildly. (laughs) Um, We're still going to see that. Uh, But I think people now are looking at them and saying, look, if China pays off the way that we think it could pay off, this is huge. It's a game changer. And make no mistake. 
in the world of electric vehicles, guys, you will hear everybody say, there's competition coming, there's competition coming. They dominate. They dominate the market. And until they are proven to not be the dominant automaker in electric vehicles, they enjoy that advantage. There it is. Before we let you go, totally one more thing. We'll make it a triple. You, you got something for Boeing? No. Phil? Oh, Boeing. No, I just think that they're in the process. And I feel it's a process right. at this point, right? It, yeah. It, it, yeah. I can't I think say I, more than that. Jim, you look at the next, let's say, six to eight weeks, between now and mid-February. That's really crucial to see if they make some progress there. Uh, and they are working with the FAA, and, and it's likely that we do see some type of certification flight. But one thing you're not going to see from Dave Calhoun you are not going to see him put out some kind of a target and say, we're going to have this by this date. He is more focused on making sure that they work with the FAA and that the FAA says, yeah, this is what you need to do. Phil, look, I flew um, to an island in Caribbean, and I, I can't tell you how many people said, did you fly with that air, particular airline because they are Airbus? I mean, this is Boeing we're talking about. It, 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 it's right. Boeing's a great American company. It is shocking to me how people just say, well, I want to be on an Airbus. I don't want to be on a Boeing. When can Boeing uh, make it so that, I mean, geez, this Max. I mean, can I, they I do think, something so substantive? Yeah. No, Jim, I, I think that it's going to take several months for them to get past that. I think once it starts again, and look, we are going to have both on social media as well as other reports, of let's say somebody takes off on a max flight. You know, every day there are dozens of airliners that turn around for a variety of reasons. They turn around, they go back, and they make a landing at the airport. When that happens with a max plane in the first couple of months, you will immediately hear people say, oh, boy, here we go. There's a problem with the max. There's a problem with the max. It's going to take them some time to get past this. That's just the reality. There's nothing else you can do. You can't brand your way out of this. You can work with the airlines to try to reassure customers. But at the end of the day, you just need to get past it. And I think it's going to take, I don't know, two, three, four months before you finally hear people stop bringing it up. All right. Phil, we appreciate it. LeBeau handles everything. Now, what do we think about the fact that the biggest stories right now are Tesla and the fact that they've been able to conquer China? And Boeing, what are these saying? I mean, Boeing, obviously, a national treasure. It, it has to be kept alive, no matter what. Uh, Tesla's gone from being a, 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 a joke, according to the Bears, to being something that after they built the China, just like Phil said, he said, listen, it, it changed the cat. It's, it's no longer, it's now like a great American manufacturer like Boeing, except for it's not tainted. So, I mean, I'm just, these are both great American manufacturers, and people like them more than all these fabulous tech stocks. I mean, people like Tesla more than any tech stock. Let's it's talk a ab- tech stock. Let's talk about a tech stock. Uh, Which Apple. one? It's, uh, yeah, it's barely down. Given up 300, but barely. Uh, yesterday closed 330, crossed 300 for the first time ever. It's uh, 299 and change. Can't it just go down for a little bit? I mean, I say own it, don't trade it, but... Yeah. You know, some, I mean, when everyone's chasing like this, it's not been the time to buy. And you know how I feel about Apple. I know you love it, but is it yeah. too high at 300? Makes no, sense. I just, you? I, mean, I just don't. At this, today, literally today, last year, we had all these price cut, uh, target prices cut. We had some very big downgrades. Well, here we have upgrades, and, and they love it. That's not necess- The time to buy is when they hate it. Now, I, I say own it, but now you're going to get a chance. I mean, how can this, Jesus, stock is barely down. I mean, the, the time to buy this thing, if, if you didn't own it or you wanted to add, was when it was sub 150 oh, yeah. a year well, ago or whatever That's when that was, people, I mean, eight look, months ago. Every time it stocks down, there are people, including some who come on your show, nice people, 
who say that the best times are, 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 are behind. They denigrate. Someone denigrated Tim Cook in my, in my, no in my, in my Twitter file. I, I, call, no I sparked him. I sparked him. I mean, I said, listen, Sparky, get a life. Look, I mean, this has changed everybody's life. And it wasn't just, there's like Tim Cook is, runs the company. Tim Cook runs. He came out under Tim Cook. The biggest know. problem, the stores are too crowded, high quality. Sure, but it's, the stock what? is up like 90%. It's being valued as a consumer product company that has suddenly, I have a lifetime value. And don't forget, they, Apple TV Plus just gets the Game of Thrones guy, Plepler? Plepler. I thought that I thought they were a bunch of clowns in Apple TV. Aren't they clowns? I mean, what kind of clowns can get the number one guy? They ain't clowns. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> I mean, honest to God. I mean, I, they're they're not clowns. I mean, they're the best company in the world. Tim Cook's the best CEO. I wanted him to be named uh, the uh, Time Man of the Year, but you know they had to. You know, Greta's fabulous. And plastic Apple, bottles Apple's are got, horrible. Apple's got three hundred back. Uh, three hundred and fifty cents. Yeah. Uh, watch what that stock does. Uh, there's some other technology Look stocks. Look at it's that, down five cents. You know I mean, we didn't get to, you know, Give it a break. Peloton's up. Will you stop? What? I mean, okay, you, you went to Peloton, so I'll go there with you. Yesterday, Mark Mahaney put out his list Love. of Internet surprises for yeah. this coming year. Mm-hmm. And one of them was that the IPO duds, and Peloton was, was on his list, was going to be one of the winners this year. If Along Uber, with Uber and Lyft, which he says right. are going to get profitability in 2020. All Uber has to do is close the stupid Uber Eats or offload it to Grub. Don't buy anything. Grub, they got to get the stock. They love the stock higher. Or sell it to one of these, like, guys with the Japanese, you know, with the Masasan. I know he did. Yes, he had uh, some big hits. But all you got to do is get rid Softbank. of it. SoftBank. I know SoftBank. I just didn't want to say their well, name. is too I, mean. I, I say it. Like I just want to make sure everybody else you know, knows what we're talking you about. Yeah, it's like... Uh, it, 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 it's like saying the former CEO of GE. I don't do the things anymore. Not everybody has, you know, Masasan on the. No, but I'm, tongue, I'm, not, you know? I'm not saying these guys because then when I start calling people clowns, I get in trouble. Do I get in trouble calling these people? Look, You're I just, just back. Don't get into trouble on your first day back. No, no. Oh, look, I'm just. No, I don't. Um, but I just think that Uber has a, a easy plan. They just have to get rid of the 50 percent of the love of what is the cities that are losing money. I know that business. That is the crummiest. I, I got guys fighting to deliver my pizza, which got an 8.2 from one bite and crushed it. One of the best in Brooklyn. No, I'm not kidding. What is the worst business in the world? People come in. They like give you they fight to have my business. I, I, they make very little money. Who wants to be in the. Oh, the pizza a, at your restaurant. I, no, no. The pizza I buy. The, my, my Elio's pizza from my freezer. I know we got to move on, but I can just say that if they close that, uh, Uber goes to 45 instantly. All right. Bob Pisani's on the floor with what's moving. Hey, Bob. Busy morning. Good morning, guys. Happy Friday. Uh, this is a great example of what Don Rumsfeld called the known unknowns. We knew about tensions with Iran. We did not know that it would take this kind of turn, though. Known unknowns. Great phrase from Rumsfeld. Rather predictable turn in the stock market here. Some, not all energy stocks moved up. Uh, gold miners are moving up. Gold's been uh, pretty good recently. It's near a six-year high, what we were 15, 60 or so uh, a couple of months ago. But we're not far from breaking through that. Semis uh, and uh, China stocks, which have had a great run recently, uh, down a little bit here, working off some 
oversold conditions. Elsewhere in the energy patch, your high beta energy names, these are stocks that always move a lot more than the overall market. Uh, Marathon, Apache, Devon moving here. Over in London, you might be surprised, like BP and Royal Dutch, only 1% to 2% moves. If this was 10 or 15 years ago and this happened, there would be a lot more violent moves. It's a much, much different world in the energy sector than it was 10 years ago, and certainly 30 and 40 years ago, where these would have had titanic moves uh, back then. You might want to look at shipping companies here. Shipping had a very good fourth quarter on hopes that the trade and tariff wars would lessen and we'd see some kind of bottoming in the global economy. Most of these names moved up. Uh, Moeller, which trades over in Denmark, probably the biggest shipping company in the world, just down 1%. Matson, which is a Dow transport company, also a shipping company, just down fractionally here. Kirby, also a Dow transport company, very involved in energy shipping, oil shipping containers, also just down. These are fairly modest uh, declines that we're seeing uh, overall here. Airlines, another typical thing that you would see here when the higher oil prices, uh, American and Delta, a little more violent move there for American. Deutsche uh, over uh, in Europe, Air France down about 6%, EasyJet. This is a little more noticeable in terms of what's going on. As always, folks, we talk about exchange-traded funds. There are ETFs associated with all of these. Here's your aerospace. This is ITA and defense sector, uh, up fractionally. Oil and gas, XOP is what you want to look at, and that's the sector that's being most affected today in terms of the energy complex. There is a shipping uh, ETF that's out there that shows all these global shipping companies uh, that I just talked about recently. That's S-E-A-C is the symbol for that. And then there is a global airline ETF, J-E-T-S, down 2.8%. But outside of the airline stocks and a couple shipping names, as you can see, fairly modest. Remember, we're fairly overbought right now here. So some big names that are out there are having the chance just to recalibrate a little, particularly some of those China stocks that we've seen really roaring. Remember, Alibaba hit a new high yesterday. Scott, back to you. Bob, appreciate it. Just something, Alibaba, because it's still not that expensive. Pioneer, PXD is the one if you want to spec. They could get bought. They're doing well. Uh, That's the only spec in the group that I would go for, PXD, Pioneer. We're going to take a quick break, uh, give you another look at the markets where we've come uh, off the lows by a good amount. Dow's is still down 186. Major averages are all in the red, but not nearly as bad as the picture was very early this morning. Squawk on the Street, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Give you a look at the Dow 30 heat map. One stock at this moment is in the green. What complex do you think that's from? The oil complex. Oil complex. It's Chevron. Everything else. Well, there's Boeing. Boeing just went into the green. Let's that's see if incredible. Uh, any more do as well. We'll follow that. Of course, we'll take a quick break. Up next is Stop Trading with Jim. Time now for Kramer and Stop Trading. I mentioned Specs earlier, Pioneer. Here's one. L Brands, not my fave, but Bank of America says we are at the tipping point for, Vic- for Victoria's Secret. They might do something good. Uh, and most importantly, uh, Bath & Body Works, they say if they spin it off, it's worth a fortune. Now, uh, it- it's low risk. It's not my fave, but I'm giving Specs out because I don't think it's a good day to do investments. I want people to wait until Monday at yeah. least. They're so anxious. People want to throw money at the market. That's never been good. You see the greed fear index? It's at the maximum greed, the CNN. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm you've happy been, you've been suggesting uh, on Twitter, why buy so soon? Like, yeah. let, let it go down a little bit. Yeah, there's some guys there, a bunch of sparkies that want to what, buy uh, right here. What do you got on Mad tonight? I have a very exciting thing. I have crowds. Right. I am a huge... Based star- in Sunnyvale, California. Yeah. I, I am a huge cybersecurity guy. All this does, the attack in Iran, you know, people want to buy Northrop Grumman. 
Go buy cybersecurity. That's what these guys do. That's what North Korea does. That's what Iran does. They hack us. So you need companies like CrowdStrike. I really like CrowdStrike, by the way. I like Palo Alto Networks, too. Because they're reforming their situation. I had them on, and I, 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 I did not speak positively. And I know they are doing great things at Palo Alto. They're changing the company. Great to have you back. We'll see you on Madden night. I love being back. Yeah, I it's good to have wife, you back. This vacation stuff, so overrated. <laughs> no, it's not. No? <laughs> no it's good to oh, be back, though. I know. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.